Welcome, everyone. This is Trucked Up Radio uh, with Michael Scott. I got Nelson Rodriguez here with me and Mark Gabart. Uh, say hello, gentlemen. Hey, hey. You're getting better at saying Rodriguez. Right. Yeah, he's t- for a white guy, he's doing good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to develop an accent? Hey, yeah. If you hey. could roll the R a little bit, that'd be okay, I'll, too. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. Act like you're ordering food. Right. <laughs> well, we're glad to be here. We're glad to be here. All right, so With we got you, a Nelson. Yeah, great, great show for you guys today. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, inflation, you know, gas prices, what everybody's talking about right now. Uh, we're going to get into some electric vehicle talk, and um, the Constitutional Convention is coming up this July, so we're going to get into that a little bit. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, what is inflation? A general increase in prices and a fall in purchasing value of money. I, you'd have no purchase power now that inflation takes over. Your wage sucks now. Exactly. <laughs> no matter what your wage is, your right. wage sucks now. Like the workers at 128, they were uh, negotiating a 3 point something percent or a 3% uh, increase in wages. What's that going to do now? It's, what, it's, eat, it's eaten up before they leave the table. Right. Exactly. You know? right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But yet, the corporations, they're reeking in billions and billions yeah. and billions. Yes, they are. They're not, they're not suffering. Well, look at uh, ExxonMobil, Chevron, Shell, BP. They have the best years and the best profit in seven or eight years now. And when they go on their calls, this is what kills me. They're on their calls with all the people when they say, hey, fourth quarter was this, first quarter was that. Those calls that they make to investors, they brag about what they're going to do to increase profitability. We've got to make up for things we lost in 2020. They're serious about this. This is how they're going to do it. And the investors cheer them on. Do they not know us consumers are still listening to that phone right. call too? Ridiculous. It's being reported widely. It's pretty sad to see. Um, I had a stat this guy had was, I found it on Twitter, a barrel of oil in 2008 was 104 and gas was 323. Mm-hmm. So today, 95, 75 for a barrel, and we're still spending 432. So tell me how that math works. Yeah, and what <laughs> gas would a, a barrel cost a, a hundred and twenty something. Now it's down to ninety something dollars. Ni- ninety five right yeah, now. Shot up to yeah. yeah. Like so when when Iraq happened and everything happens, there was a tornado. Our prices go up right away. Mm-hmm. You see immediately at the plump. Right now it's gone. It's gone down within a week. How much? Yeah. 30 something dollars at least? Well, when a hurricane came down? to the coast, if a hurricane came through the Gulf, they would immediately jack prices the week before and then multiple weeks after. Whether it affected them or not, they would just use that as a parlay of the, right. the right. funds. But, yeah. Seriously. I say I was uh, trying to do some research on that, just what causes the gas price increase? How does it correlate with oil prices? And the general gist was that. When oil prices go up, gas prices go up. And it's pretty much on the same track, but when oil prices go down, gas takes a lot longer to come down. And then no one can really say what causes it. Speculation, just like you know, the stock market, it just boils down to greed. There's yeah, too many hands in the way, oh, yeah. right, along the way. I was watching a commentator on, um, <clears throat> it was on CNN or ABC, something like that. But she was trying to describe inflation about the oil prices. And she was like, well... You know, it takes about a week or two for you to really see it at the pump. And she's just trying to explain the corporate greed and how, mm-hmm. but in a nice way because she's, she's all about finance. She has to defend It didn't work them. out too right. well. Yeah. Right. And she's like, well, maybe they'll invest, you know, if they were, They're not good. If they were good, they would invest. And so it doesn't look as bad. Right. <laughs> so she was trying to make it look good. Really, really trying to help them it. out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it didn't work out too well, though. Well, and our, we can't forget our U.S. government gives them $180 billion in subsidies just to the oil and gas industry. So they're expecting their check to come from the government, just like others are expecting their check to come from. Now, corporate welfare is an important thing. People really, it's important. Like, ask Jim Banks right here in Northeast <laughs> Indiana. He loves that corporate welfare because that takes care of his homies. There was I, don't, a, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't either. There was a, I was just going to say there was an interview I was watching. Uh, the, uh, somebody uh, in the media was asking the, press, the White House press secretary um, what the administration was going to be doing about gas prices, if they were going to be giving over more um, land or port permits or giving any assistance. For drilling. Yeah. Right. And she was just like, no, why would we? Are, did the, are the oil companies in dire straits right now that they need help? They're suppressing the amount of oil they're, they're making so they can make more profits. Right. right. And in part, in part because of EVs. Mm-hmm. But, but they're, they're, they're capitalizing on, on the environment, what it is right now. So e- even, even in Saudi Arabia, they're mm-hmm. capping on what, what they're producing too. And we're going over there because what's happened with Ukraine and Russia. Right. We're saying, hey, we, we need some more oil. They're like, nah, we're good. We're, we're going to get as much money as we can. Right. And, and, and you couldn't issue more permits in the United States because the, the permits they've got, they haven't even ex- used or expended them all. So right. they still could drill. They just haven't done it because yeah. it costs money to do that. Right. And they don't want to spend it. They want to just make it. See, I believe the, the number was 9,000 permits they had available to them. I don't know how much land, the acres of land that correlates to. It's a ton, though, of public land. A mm-hmm. ton of land they have set aside for the oil companies. It's crazy. Can't buy it. Well, in a lot of that public land stuff, there's nothing on there. It's mm. just been held up. It was part of a park or something like right. that. Uh, you know, that's no longer available. They fenced it off and said, hey, we're going to now let them drill here. But they've never exercised that drilling option yet. Yeah. So they're poor folks. They just can't get it straight. <laughs> or also utilize it for the uh, solar panels and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they did in Buffalo. Right. With um, Tesla. Right. There's huge fields of... Uh, Solar panels being done out in the Arizonas and New Mexicos and stuff like that too, and they're really working well with it. It's not, you know, it doesn't fail in fifteen or twenty years. The stuff is really resilient and putting up with getting the heat every day and producing the energy people need. So, you know, everybody that talks poorly about wind and or solar energy is just against it based on fossil fuel and wherever their portfolio is and what their assets are and what they want to watch and where they're going to make their money. I mean, regardless of what. Avenue we take, I mean, it's not perfect. Mm, yeah, yeah. The thing is that we do have to get off of fossil fuels. Well, we built this system. If you saw who the biggest lobbyists were over the last 50 to 70 years when it came to trains and things like that, it was the tire and rubber companies and the folks that were making the fuel and the people that were building the automobiles were all lobbying against all that. No, everybody wants to drive. Build the interstate highway system, which now is so outdated. There's so many trucks out there. You can't drive safely anywhere on that interstate system. Yeah, and granted, in cities, they'll increase it to five and six lanes. But when you're, just as an example of Indianapolis to Fort Wayne, once you get past Anderson, it's back to four lanes, two north and two south. For God's sakes, we need to have at least three or four lanes each way because the traffic is so heavy. There's so many wacky things with wacky drivers, but that's... It would ease that up, but we don't spend money on things the like construction that. Construction on 69 never ends either. Oh, yeah. There's a big contention year. on that yeah. with, between Republicans and Democrats right now because they feel like Democrats feel you're getting the money now. You build your infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Rebuild what's there right now first before you decide to expand 
right. what you're doing. I mean, because right. I mean, come on, we have construction all the time. Yeah, it's always four sixty nine. How right. long has that been under construction? <laughs> There's always doing something. Just wait, there'll be multiple bridges again this year too. Because <laughs> yeah. the thing was built in whatever eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight time frame. Mm-hmm. So now all these bridges are coming due to be fixed, and so. You look the one outside of here, right when you get on the interstate going east, that was done, did one bridge, and then a year later did the other bridge. So it's, you know, you got a two year event of the whole thing's down to one lane. It's crazy. 469, though, I mean, it's just, to me, it's getting worse. I ride my bike, (laughs) I ride my bike, it's like, I'm bottoming out. You got to figure out which lane you're going to be in, and it ain't a good lane. There's not a good lane. Both lanes have holes in them. For how long, too? Well, you know, this whole northeast Indiana is all swampland. Let's not forget yeah, that. So we put a bunch of dirt on swampland. You're going to sink. <laughs> Wait, yeah. It's off right right off of 69, right? Whenever you're heading into Fort Wayne, you can look out and restoring Indiana's wetlands yeah. or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. just all swamp. Yep. So <laughs> right. Jerome, Jerome Powell, he just raised the uh, – he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Mm, yes. He just raised interest rates. To uh, just under three percent, I think it's it was. Like, I think they're going, but it's incremental, so it's like zero point two five percent at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's it will get to three percent over like a sixty day window, but mm-hmm. it won't happen all at once. But there is an over ultimate, sixty days. They're like increasing that much. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, zero point two five percent is if you're trying to get a loan. Right. You should have been locked in uh, previous three weeks before yes. this because you would have been in a better situation. Yes. Right. Because now those loans are going to be in the hands of the bankers and they're going to win on this one. I mean, you, you'd figure with the housing crisis that happened with Jordan under Bush, that people would make sure they get into their fixed interest rates. Right. You know, and their home yeah. loans. I guess. Because right now they're gonna they're gonna be hurting. Right. Been with the housing crisis and everybody paying an exorbitant amount of prices for their houses too. Imagine, imagine if they didn't get into fixed interest. Oh, yeah, yeah. There'd be a lot. There'd be a lot. Yeah, of you start out with a nine percent, or start with three and end up at twenty-two. <laughs> I can't believe they still. When I I bought a house um, like four years ago, right, and I that was one of the options, right? I could do a, like a ten over one arm or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they still offer those. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're, you know, they're creative at the actual loan end of it, the person you have to deal with to try and figure out what's it going to take for the consumer to buy this. Right. How can we get them? And they're not tricking you. They're giving you all the information. They're giving you what you need to know to sign. Right. After that, you see the real detail. Right. right. What it could balloon up to. Oh, man. That's crazy. All right, we're getting a little bit off topic. We're going to get back so, into inflation. <laughs> Raising the inflation, how is that going to help? I mean, raising the interest rates, how is that actually going to help with them? Um, not having a financial background. <laughs> I'm just winging it here. But uh, what the, the intent was is not to cause some dramatic crash like we saw in 07, 08, time where mm-hmm. all these companies fall on their face. Well, if it couldn't be anything other than today, today and now is the best time for the majority of companies. They're selling products again. They're, you know, If you're a restaurant owner, it's a different ballgame. But food is picking back up, things like that. So the idea for the Fed to do that is to try and control inflation by changing the interest rate in the barest sense. So the interest rate also that they're referring to, it's not for loans necessarily. The banks are required to have a certain amount of cash on hand. If they can't meet that, they borrow it from another bank. That's the interest rate that they're changing. So when they increase that, a bank has to borrow that money from another bank at a higher rate so they can't offer bonds and loans at that rate. They have to increase how much. It's an indirect yeah. way yeah. of. But it's, it's still, like, and you kind of, when you see this, when we had COVID, interest rates fell below zero, mm-hmm. right? So that was a chance for corporations and companies to invest, right? Right, right. right. Did they, invest? they stood still. They stood still, right? Yeah. So, so we're thinking, okay, Inflation is going, is, well, interest rates are going up. 
do you think they're still going to invest? I doubt it. No. You know, unless they have something broken, they're not going to go. They're just going to ride the storm and see what happens. And you know, we'll hear an earnings report next January about how great 22 was, and they'll talk about how awesome it was and how much profit they made at the expense of the American consumer. While everyone's house prices are going down, yeah, it's, right. house it's another market. To, to, to me, it's another. It's another added cost now. For somebody trying to buy a home, trying mm, to buy a vehicle yeah, now, yeah. do corporations get affected by it? No. Because there's a lack of competition, too. So they're no, raking their prices. No. They're doing whatever they want. Mm -hmm. yeah, and they're free just, reign. I mean, over, uh, we had a pandemic. People suffered. Americans suffered. Right now we're dealing with Ukraine right. and Russia, right? Americans are taking the brunt of it and they're suffering still. Mm -hmm. Are the corporations suffering? Are they suffering at all? Well, if they are invested in Russia, they are suffering in some manner because they... That's, but they put their eggs every basket they could find. Yep. You know, they're trying to make money. Right. They're in the business of making money. So if it meant crossing the water and going to Russia, you know, I've long said General Motors went to China. General Motors loves some communism when it's going to put money on the table oh, for yeah. them. <laughs> so let's not lose sight of that. Oh my God, oh that my is God. such a good point. But people don't see that sometimes. Oh, I love telling that story. It's, kinda, it's easy yeah. to tell. It's totally true. It is totally true. And then depending on their politics, they just try to justify it. Oh, yeah. Like, well, well, I mean, you have to imagine they're playing both sides, right? So in our, our local part, or our national parties, right, they're giving money to both sides. Yes, so they, they have to come out yeah. on top. But when do we play our own side? When do we, when do we work for our own interests? And it's like... Well, the UAW has always had a disconnect from General Motors when it comes to politics as far as how and what position they take because the only time they ever came together was when it was cafe mandates for you know, mileage, something like that. Oh, it's going to ruin the industry. And they would rally all the UAW members to go talk. It. And it's like, wait a minute. So when we do a right-to-work fight, where's GM to help us along with that fight? <laughs> right. It never showed. Right. <laughs> it was like when I, when I worked out in Buffalo, um, I used to lobby with uh, Region, Region 9. And um, our leasing law has changed in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, and That's it horrible. Financing. Oh, yeah. What is the leasing law? <clears throat> well, with the new leasing law with the Blue Knight financing, it goes back to horse and carriage laws for, for a vehicle for yeah. a vehicle okay yeah so when you lease you don't have to pay the taxes up front you know because it's considered the bank it's good still considered their car their vehicle okay but with the new leasing laws with the balloon financing it's now considered yours so you so because be that it's considered yours then you have to pay the taxes up front so that which that would get rolled over into what you pay monthly so dealerships and gm felt that's going to hurt their market share it's going to hurt them so when I went to go lobby on union issues, who was there with us this time? Yeah, yeah, they were standing right arm in arm with yeah. you. But it was a great, it was a great experience. <laughs> yeah. I, I really didn't like it. You know, I was thinking, ah, you know, union guys got to deal with these guys. So <laughs> what can we do to combat inflation? Right. So as members, there's nothing really in our contract right that protects us. But there was, there once was. The laws really. Yeah, it actually goes back to what's happening in the state house. I mean, it's all local. So, what's your city council doing? What's yeah. your mayor doing? What's your state representative? What's your Washington representative are doing? You need to just stay in tune with that and figure it out. You know, I, I argue with people all the time. Why do you like that party versus this party? This party is for the working class. That party is for the millionaires. So, you can have that argument all day long. In the end, it's the freedom of speech, freedom of a choice. So, I'm mean, if a member says, "Hey, I love this guy. I hate that guy." I'm not going to argue with them. That's their world. They can do that. Right. The point is, is look at the big picture and what is that whole thing? If you like them for these six issues or two issues, 
Okay, I get that. But if you look at it for the 120 issues that are really important to all the membership and everything else, you'll realize why you should back this party or candidate over that one. But again, that's lost on them because they're going for those hot button issues, which is how they sell that. So to answer your question, it's politics and it's not just local, it's national politics. You've got to be involved in it because there really isn't anything we can pull a lever at the bargaining table to try and get us something that helps us out of inflation. You know, when I discuss this stuff at like our one-on-one -on -one classes and stuff, I tell, tell them, you know, regardless of your party, and regardless of those niche issues that you have, you know, you work at GM, you work here, and you have to hold your politicians accountable to maintain, make sure you maintain your job here mm -hmm. and maintain yeah. your benefits as well. Right. So even though you have your niche issue, when, when the UAW brings an issue, a front, it's not because it's a Democratic or Republican issue, it's because it's, it depends on our jobs. Right. So think about it, hold your people accountable. Yeah. Just don't give them a free ride and say, okay, thanks for, for doing what you did for me, right. and then... Oh, I'll just sit here and well, see what happens. You know, the person with 12 years in, I'd like to get 30. I want to get 35 years in. I'm a young person. I was, you know, at 50, I'd like to retire, 45 or whatever it is. You have to think about what's going to get you there. How does it go there? Exactly. I mean, we've talked about, before we started recording, we were talking about militant attitudes and causing problems and stuff like that. That's not going to keep your facility open if right. stuff like that happens. So there's that fine line we have to walk. But outside of that, there's the politics of it that's going to, what's longevity for you? How are we going to maintain what we got? I mean, I'm confident that they put billions of dollars into this facility here, so I can see there's some good things happening, but we aren't in first place anymore. Mm -hmm. So when there's a lack of parts, who's the one that's going to run? We're the ones sitting back and getting, we're the fourth pick. So you're in line there for playing kickball, but guess what? You're the last pick for the team. Right, we're already <laughs> seeing that, right? Because yeah. they canceled production Saturday Saturdays, two yeah. weeks in a row, right? And Based now, on stock, yeah. There's no Saturdays in the pipeline that anyone is Well, you don't see of. a letter from Gary telling you what the next quarters are, so that's right. up in the air right now. So right. There's, there's so much to it. And yeah, there are so, so many other... Yeah, I'm, I'm generalizing when yeah. I say that. There's yeah. so many more details to it. There's so many people yeah. are... And it, this is part of why we're talking about inflation, too, because it affects the plant. And, and everybody's, you know, they're really uptight and worried about what's going mm, on now. Yeah. And inflation is part of it. It's part of, the, of what we're going through. And being in the auto industry, you know, Mark, you, you have, what, 30-something years, 40. 40 years? So we all have different perspectives and different views, but and we've gone through certain things. Oh, like yeah. I, I Layoffs, transfers. Layoffs, bankruptcy. Yeah. Plant closings, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so if you're a member in the auto industry, you have to know that you're going to deal with ups and downs. Mm -hmm. More so downs at times. Right. I was when I worked in a motor plant. I was laid off almost every year. Yeah, yeah, and that cycle seems to have been broken now. Now you're getting twelve seven yeah. something like that. And people, people yeah. get used to it. Yeah, yeah. And then when it's taken away, they're like, you know, they were crying that, it, that they work too much. You go back to forty hours, people right now would like, be freaking oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they want God, that Saturday. Thank God yeah. for negotiations for union contracts right. because we did get our percentage increase mm -hmm. and our bonuses that helps. Right, right. But still, when you lose that Saturday and Sunday yeah. that you've been getting, you, know, oh, you so notice it definitely. Exactly. You really notice it. We start thinking about things you're going to buy in this quarter or whatever you're going to do in the spring. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're taking this vacation. I'll work these set. Oh, the Saturdays aren't there. Oh, um, I don't. You know, because right. yeah, we were always told as a kid growing up, it's you know, work within your 40 hours. Make sure you're having your savings. Exactly. Don't worry about that. So if you work 48 or 52 or whatever it is, great for you. Good stuff. You work some extra hours, but Save some money. Part of part of inflation as well, our, our lack of competition. One thing is that is, is like com companies have been consolidating a lot. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like PepsiCo and Coke. Mm -hmm. Those are the two main ones. Right. And so they 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 don't even have to negotiate. They're not worried about other competitors. Before, when you have a lot of competitors, 
you know, then you're worried about your price. So yeah. you, you compete, and so your price starts to lower in different yeah. areas. Now when there's lack of competition, you, you, call, you, the shots. you call the shots. Yeah. You're the boss. Yeah. And that's what's happening now. Yeah. That's why you see all the corporate, no corporations losing. Right. They're making, I mean, right now, with Ukraine and everything, they're making even more money. Well, so if yeah. you want to talk about oil, what's the OPEC, right? Yeah, Chevron, a, OPEC. A, a multi-corporation conglomerate, basically a monopoly, all agree yeah. to raise oil and gas prices with each other. So right. it doesn't matter. By restricting production. Right. The they won't, they right? won't raise output, yeah. 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 So they, 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 they they've actually it. said that in an interview. They yeah. asked, well, if, if we could tap more land, you guys could drill more oil. Well... We we have a fiduciary fiduciary duties to our stockholders that we're not interested in because in it costs to get to that point. They don't want to spend the millions it's going to take to get yep. there. So people say the economy, Corona, this is that. But if you actually think about it, it's these major corporations, top ten, top one percent of the uh, of the wealthy in the whole world, are just controlling everything. Mm-hmm. And, and thank and you for showing up and doing work for us. Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's and, what we have to fight to get and representation. What are they doing now we already said we, they're not investing. Mm-hmm. So they're make, getting more out of us, like GM is getting yeah. more out of us right. and right. not investing in and having more workers or anything because they know they're going to get still get their price, what they want for the vehicle. Totally. Or yeah. for whatever. Yeah. So right. they just, it's like a sweatshop now. Just keep right. on uh, working and working and working. We're still going to make our well, money. Well, look at the used car market right now, too. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Your used car now is worth more than it's ever been mm-hmm. because production changed and so many things happened with that whole chip situation. So, with, with inflation, now, see, with, with inflation, you know, it does affect the, the automotive industry. And GM, GM right now, the reason why we're, people have to realize it, we're still viable as a plant ourselves because the EV, we're, we're trying to get into it, but it's how fast. Oh, you won't see, see this. The numbers are so small of what they're going to build that we won't see a lot of EV trucks. In fact, I've made the comment that of the people that live in the county that that EV is made, like 17 people could afford to buy one. You know, considering where it's made at Hamtramck there. I mean, I'm not being bad about it, but that's just that neighborhood. Nobody's going to be buying an EV for that purpose, but the number, the build numbers are going to be pretty small compared to what the market is because it's a big world out there and they want to ship them all over the world, not just, right. you know, well, at least North America. Yeah. But they also say their pre-order list is huge. It's huge. So they're not worried about what their future market, is. Like you said. Yeah, it's, yeah it's a niche market. And, you're, you know, if you drove that truck, you drove to Indianapolis, you drove to Detroit, and then you're not going to find a place to plug in. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a lot of infrastructure to support you doing that. It's growing, and I'm not naive. It's going to happen. We're going to put some people to work, and we're going to get some things built, but it's not there yet. So that even has to with happen. That, though, even with the infrastructure, we put, we're putting billions in it, and people don't realize mm-hmm. you know, what this administration has done. We're putting billions into it, and we are going to build the infrastructure because there's no other alternative. Right. You know, the thing is to make it work for us again, not yeah. just major corporations. Right. Like those 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 charging stations. If they're at a gas station, that gas station owner should mm. make most of the profits off of that. Right. Not corporations, you know, yeah. supplying Monopolizing. the electricity exactly. that's charging the right. Right. Well, exactly. hell, they they went to charging us for air for our tires. So what aren't they going to charge know. us for? Yeah. You know, that you tell that story to somebody's grandpa, they're like, "What? You paying for air? We, El- we El- just El- had a Casey's El- in El- town El- go up in Decatur, and we, they had free air until they had to replace the the, the nozzle." nozzle. And then it went Somebody to a charge. Bought, yep. Now they got a credit card reader on there. <laughs> yep. It's bad. It's not just a coin. It's a credit card reader. Yep. That's another level of bad. Yeah. It's like two fifty <laughs> or something like that Whatever. for air and sweeping. <laughs> Illinois is a state. You get free air and free vacuum. Right. That's legislative work done in Springfield. 
That's how that happened. Really? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. They legislated that in the state of Illinois. They're not playing that game of you charging money for air and for a vacuum like that. Are you serious? Yeah. That's, yeah. I but thought Elmo was being nice. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about the state of Illinois. The state of oh, Illinois yeah, okay. did that okay. themselves in that you have, yeah. yeah, exactly. So Anywhere you, in Illinois, if I need air in my tires, if they got a pump. It's supposed to be cheaper if it's not for free it's going to be the quarter or 50 cents it's not going to be a two dollars and 50 cent type of thing they have a they understand the business of you putting something in that's coin operated but they're gonna legitimately tell you you can only go to a certain amount so wow there's opportunities out there you think the the super majority in uh, indianapolis is going to do something like that (laughs) not a chance (laughs) (laughs) they blow it out of here right right So with, with EVs, because you brought that up, so there's a lot of differences, right, in the production of it. And that, that's something yes. that we have to think about as auto workers. Less people. Yes. Right. Yes. It's, it's about huge. 30% less from mm-hmm. what I've seen reading And people online. worry about that in the plant, and they justify it worrying about it. But at, at the same time, through attrition, you're mm-hmm. not going to feel it as much because you're right. not going to have the motor line. Right. You know, you right. have some different version maybe because you, you put those those electrical cells in there. Well, and don't think GM won't work to make sure stuff's built oh, already coming here okay. and kitted and then put in a sequential order. So they'll, I mean, when this plant opened, that's why they did the seats because yeah. we used to have those jobs in assembly. This was building seats. In oh, fact, you'll see those old, yeah. f- old photos of the guys that are on strike. They're sitting in seats that are truck seats mm-hmm. sitting on the, mm-hmm. in, at Flint mm-hmm. in those old black and whites. Well, we did those seats. We took the foam and hog ringed it and put it on the frame and put the cover over it what? and did all that work. That was in a cushion room. That happened. So they outsourced those things here, and that was some of the first things I saw. I was like, geez, here we go. And that's, they want to take our motor line, our IP line, and many facilities in the GM system have that, whether it's car or truck. So that will be a big, that's where the impact comes. That's where people are nervous. I mean, and, and we could bring some of those back, though. Mm-hmm. We'll have space to bring some of that work back. And why not? GM is about consolidating. They they want their their little, they're having their little corridor under one roof, right? Exactly. If we get it all under one roof, exactly. yeah. Exactly. It's like their supply chains. They're narrowing their supply chains. Well, because you're so well. just in time. It's like you one snowstorm and you're trying to bring engines from Tonawanda yeah. and you got nine inches of snow between here and Tonawanda. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, I was in Buffalo when we had the six feet. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. I felt like I was. In no engines world. were leaving that town. Oh my God. I had like six seven people sleeping in my apartment. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. They yeah. couldn't make it home. It was a whole wall. A wall. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. That's the same snowstorm, right? I remember seeing videos mm-hmm. coming off uh, Niagara Falls, right? It was mm-hmm. just a blanket. You couldn't see yeah, anything. Couldn't see anything, yeah. It was actually beautiful, though, because I was coming out the plant, and the Peace Bridge is right there, and Canada is right there, and you see the wall cutting right through the middle of the city because mm-hmm. the plant where we're located is right next to the river right there. Right. It's, it's a beautiful location. So you saw that wall going past, and you're like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. And so you start driving towards <laughs> it. Right. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> Your car sucks. <laughs> But EV, I mean, it's a, to me, this is my only personal thing. To me, I feel, as our location, that EVs is our future. And if we don't get into that market before Mexico or some other, mm-hmm. you know, well, Mexico's really our main competition right now. But if, if we don't get in that market before they do, as far as getting that work, yeah. then, then we know it's really right. going to start affecting that. Because eventually, it is going to be the main market. It is going to be EVs. Yeah. But in the meantime... GM needs our truck. Yeah. They need the electric gas vehicle. Th- that'll happen. I see that happening for another decade, yeah. minimum another decade for yes. sure. So it might be a fight of you. It look, if you look at the amount of trucks sold per calendar year, we're several hundred thousand, you know, we're at 300 plus thousand. 
uh, Rich Letourneau put a number out recently of what our number is for the right. year type of thing. So you look at that number, and that's what they expect of us to build. And, hey, can you build more of that? It's all market-based, and they exactly. forecast what's going to happen quarter after quarter. So you really have exactly. a plan to figure out what's going to be. So I'm not worried that the that combustion engine is going to be around Climate change be damned. Yes, I agree that that's happening and it's something we should address, but it ain't changing because the consumer won't allow it to change. Yeah, You're not going to hire a guy who's doing insulation in your house who's not driving a Chevy or a Ford or a Chrysler into your driveway or three of them show up with unloading all the tools they need and everything. Those pickups got to have it. Yeah, Trailers, I, I, everything. I was exciting last year. Mm-hmm. I still haven't got to put it on yet. But I'm like, I wanted to, my wife's like, you're canceling this damn thing. And I'm like, girl, do you know how much inflation is right now? You right. cancel this and we do it during the summer. We're going to probably pay double. Right. I was like, no, we're going to hold off and just be like, hey, come on, buddies. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach them back in. Yeah. <laughs> the weather's getting warm. Right. Because so we, yeah. we had a woodpecker. And the woodpecker's just eating up the side of our house. Oh. It's right where our bedroom is. And so she's no good time of day. Oh they so it's actually the worst place yeah. they could be. My wife works third shift, so she comes home. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you third shift. Oh, there. I know. And, and she's yelling at you. Me. You need to stop this. It's oh, your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so now I got a good siding on it. Now. I, I love the lights wood look in the front, but those woodpeckers like it better than I yeah, do. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Soft wood. They love that. It goes right through it. But inflation effect affects us all. Yeah. And, you know. And I, guess I have quite a few young seniority people. They, they text me or call me, and they're, they're really, really stressed out and worried. But I'm like, I mean, it's you out of their right control. To, it's seriously, it is. But you, and, and I tell them, look at the outside world too. Your world doesn't just derive from inside that plan right. what you're mm-hmm. hearing there. Mm-hmm. Look what's going on around you. You know, ground yourself, figure it out yourself, because there are times we are going to suffer. Oh yeah, well, there are times we're going to do either, though, right? Like the whole hmm? everybody's scared right now. Oh yeah, there's a lot yeah. going on. In the no matter world. what corner of the county right. you're in, you're right. damn right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look at Ukraine. I mean, when Zelensky was on the other day and that video, mm-hmm. oh my God, that shit broke my heart. Yeah, it just broke my I heart. Know. And he's what does he sleep? Probably two hours a day. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's a wreck because he watches his country folks just being wiped out yeah. mercilessly so yeah. it's very tough on those folks very resilient people i mean good for them they russians probably picked yeah. the wrong fight yeah. but i mean if you think back to it you guys are all somehow related that's somebody's grandma over there what are you doing shooting up your meemaw yeah. <laughs> what the heck it's but but we, we get consumed power and government they control media and like the top 10 percent they control all the wealth right now right mm-hmm. they're controlling inflation it's just like in Russia. They're controlling everything. So eventually, when you're just sitting at your kitchen table and you're watching the same news and you're not really putting, paying attention, you're just listening and listening, it becomes reality. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it becomes Whether it's fact. true or not. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It ends up being... But like, now, so politics makes, makes, makes a huge role in this. You know, like, and I love Bernie. Like, Bernie Sanders, he just, I mean, he's straight out with all this. Robert Reich, if right. uh, you guys have an opportunity to look up Robert Reich. Former um, Labor Secretary under, under, uh, under Bill, Bill Clinton. Clinton. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's when I first I didn't know of him, and so that I've followed him since then, and he's just like comes up with some yeah, amazing well, things. I think I found a documentary of his on Netflix, and that's what introduced me to mm-hmm. him, and I started following him on Facebook and Twitter, yeah. and he's Such really so good intelligent. Content. Very. Yeah. I mean, I can barely remember names. This guy's remembering things from. I'm like, yeah, I know. I feel bad. My yeah. memory's shot when I listen to these guys talk. Yeah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I didn't write that down. I forgot that. <laughs> I listen to any of his, he has his college classes, he has them online yeah. too, so I listen to some of them. And it, and just it's just better, let, let you realize what's really going on. And he tells you the facts, he's not bullshitting you. He's right. telling you the facts of what's really going on. And, we, you know, we discern things differently because, you know, whether we we're economically in tune or, or we, we're really into, into investments and stuff like that. So right. we see things a little bit. We mm-hmm. do, you know, cap, but the thing is, capitalism needs to be balanced with socialism. 
You know, there needs to be a good balance. Like, that's what what made America great. Right. And not just right. capitalism. No, right. they're all thieves. They shared together. You share yeah. it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. not everybody, we're not all perfect or we're not all, you know, you know, know how to invest our money, mm-hmm. you know, or some right. of us can't, you know, right. be a divorce or anything else. It's a lot harder. It's well, and we took look at the pensions, and to lose that pension, and to tell you that the four hundred one k is a replacement, is BS. Because in the end, exactly. you victim blame because you didn't save correctly and you didn't invest correctly. And you look, I put That's things together. Fault. I don't know how to invest. It's not a thing I do. How do I know what this is? And so you want to take that average person who's now getting this four hundred one k? They just throw the money in there and hope it does something for them. That's not the game. You want that pension. Why did we get rid of pensions? So we could pay the top percentage of those people more money. So we could retain them. We don't want to lose those brainiacs. Sure, they always have capital. Right. Capital so you, always you wants think capital. The, what's your opinion? What do you think of the future of pensions? Or the, the future of 401? What do you think the future is going to be like? Say about by 15 years when we start retiring. You'll start seeing more people come back to the pension word and start making that happen. Because if there's anything that Ronald Reagan and the Republicans did in the late 80s was villainize the Social Security system, obviously, because it's a whole bunch of people just freeloading. Wait, it's your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle? <laughs> they're freeloading? We've paid into this no. for all this time. So, you, you know, their platform currently right now is in the next five years, if, we, if they can be in power at all levels, they will do away with those type of things and let everybody have the 401 kization of America and put that back in because you're going to invest. It's a money pot that they just see that capital knows, I want that. I want to invest that. I want to control that. But it's my money. Yes, I know, but I'm going to make so much money for you. Just give me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's got problems written all over it because yeah, somebody's going to get a flash in the pan, pile of money at the beginning, and then you end up holding the bag with no bottom. And what's sad is that, is that we, as the citizens, we, don't, we do nothing until the proverbial shit hits the fan. Well, it's re- reactionary. We don't, nobody has a plan because yeah. we're just hoping we... And capital loves that. Capital loves keeping us at that little yo-yo of, hey, there you are. You know how the yo-yo used to sit there, and then you could pop your finger and it run yeah. back up to your hand. They play that game all the time with consumers. Yeah, I see the I, I see the next recession is when uh, people are living off the four hundred one k's and can't do it anymore. So who's going to bail them? Who's, who's going to bail them out? There isn't going to be a bailout, but I do think that you're seeing more and more union recognition things happening. And when you take those things to the table and you start bargaining. You take the people who are doing that at Starbucks right now. Most of those people are under 30. That's some badass stuff wow. that they're doing. Yeah. That's a really big thing. And that's in pockets all over the United States. There's over 100 stores are now moving for unionization. Buffalo just added two more, two, two or, or three, three more. Two or three yeah. More. yeah. So you've got like five or six locations in Buffalo alone. And that Buffalo is where that first contract's going to come in. What you don't see is them coming forward and saying, let's just get one blanket agreement for the entire country. They want to nickel and dime the guy in South Dakota against the guy in New York because the money in New York, you need to make a little bit more. We understand that because standard of living is higher. But you folks out here in South Dakota, you can make less than that Mm because you don't need that. Standard of living is different. That's the game they're going to want to play. But my point going back to it is we're going to get to pensions. You're going to hear about pensions more when they start realizing the importance of what that is and what that can do for them. I think as a union, our our, our international representatives as well, I think our union really needs – to start the drive and the push mm-hmm. to educate members to, okay, we have to start getting back to pensions. Right. You know, we have to start, you know, the grassroots movement. 
right? Not don't just with don't us. believe the hype. Yeah, it's really it is important. We've yeah. gained everything we've gained in part because of the grassroots movement. Mm-hmm. When the people out there know everything, our communities, our families, and they're empowered, yep. and it empowers us. It right. helps us because we have the tools to negotiate. We have the tools to lobby, right? To better, you know, help everyone. Right. We were on strike in '19. I had a great opportunity. Someone said, "Well, it's because you guys are greedy." <laughs> Whoa! Time out. So once I called timeout, I brought them to the idea and understanding of what we did and why we did it and how we could work collectively because they worked as a bank teller. Mm-hmm. And I said, your industry is changing. It's evolving. And where are they today here this many years later? They're using virtual tellers. So you have one person in one location deals with your six branches depending on who pulls up. So they're using less tellers because there's less. So, I mean, if you would collectively come together, you could have some protections, hopefully, in your workplace as this technology advances. But they didn't because they're all out there for the best deal. And we're the greedy ones. Yeah, the Darn greedy it. Ones. But I, it was an, a, a teaching moment. You have to take that moment. Don't get upset with them. Don't get mad. Help them understand why they said that versus yeah. what the reality is exactly. in life. Exactly. People don't like the combativeness. People don't like to be told. I found it's easier just to play, ass, you know? play <laughs> helpful educator with yeah. that in some way you know, and let you know. them give yeah. them some ownership to it. Yeah, no I'm just soaking all this in right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> str- that's something I struggle with is educating versus arguing, right? Or the, the debate, mm-hmm. feeling like I need to win over someone else. But I win when... We come to a mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we got to realize when we're wrong. Because sometimes we're just talking out or we're just yeah. talking and, and right. not listening. Right. So we don't see other people's perspectives. Well, I always ask them why. And so, I, you know, okay, why do you think that? Why do you feel that way? What got you there? And so you start drilling into it a little bit with them. And usually you come to the point where there's like, there's not a story. It's the headline and the pull quote. They don't yeah. have the. They aren't getting to the meat of the story. They didn't get to page five. They just saw the headline and went, "Hell yeah, that's my position." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you need to realize who you're working with and help them understand. You know what life, the way it is right now, between even even before COVID, you know things are so hectic out there. Mm-hmm. Things are so crazy. It's just it's easy to manipulate somebody's mind. Oh sure. And, and, well, because we're, we're we're consumers of something quick. We want it quick. It's a channel changer world. So. You know, I don't like that show, click. I don't like that, click. So yep. your message has to be bam, bam, right on. So you don't have time to read that whole article. Yep. The more dramatic and uh, mm-hmm. violent yeah. it is. Throw some blood on it while you're at it, yep. and that'll really exactly. bring them in. It, it does, though. It works. <laughs> right. It's crazy. So it's, do, do we have any stats as far as... Uh, we're still in a deficit for unemployment, right? Uh, we have more jobs, jobs than we available workers. than we do workers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We have so many open immigration status. We have so many visas, so many open mm-hmm. cards mm-hmm. that aren't being filled right now, right. and those that could help fill the market to fill with some workers. Of these jobs to fill right. with workers too. Right. And, you know, people say that's a cause of parts parts of the cause of inflation too because of lack of supply because we don't have workers. Mm-hmm. Well, here again, again, laws, you know, laws. People want immigrants out until they need them. Right. And now we need them again. Right. You know, so in the housing market, you have people putting their roofs in. Roofs in it, and they can't do it for months later because, or they had to cancel projects because they don't Supply. have people or, yeah. or people to do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so people got to start rethinking immigration. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look at what's going on in the port of Los Angeles and all the things there. They need drivers. They have trucks, but what they've tricked them into is the person shows up and then they get this lease on a vehicle, and they're in a line waiting to get a product, and they can't even get through the line to get a truck to or a trailer to haul out. And they're unloading all these container ships, and they're parked sand deep out there in the ocean. 
you're bringing them in to try to get rid of them. You're stuck in this line and you get one trailer, you get out of there, you spent nine hours to get one trailer to haul out of there to come back and wait in line again. Now you only can drive for certain hours of the day. Your lease, you're spending more money than what you're making. It's a horrendous show, but you're signed up for it, so you're stuck with that. That is wow. your gig. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I did see uh, the self-contracted driver. They they work. For, they own their own truck, right? Mm -hmm. they, they're their own trucking company. That because of inflation, the cost per load has increased, so they're making less money now too. Right. And with gas prices where they are, they're making way less money than and they the, were. And the, the lease or whatever they note on their vehicle doesn't change. It, and the only way to have a semi is have it rolling. You can't right. make money with it in your driveway. Right. So where's, where does that that cost, where does it translate to the consumer? Yeah, right. right. We end up with it. We yeah. end up with it. Right. And I don't believe there's a shortage in drivers, personally, because you know, before we had, remember when the gas prices went up? And and all those truckers couldn't even drive, mm -hmm. and they were they were sitting in stations like we can't afford it. We can't right. afford. Can't to afford drive. I can't spend a thousand dollars right now. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we had a big thing on trying to get more truckers after that because truckers said, "Screw that! I'm going to go work in a factory. I'm going to go work mm -hmm. this, this, and that." Right. So now we had, we did have an influx in truckers. But now they're they're picking and choosing where they want to go too. Now right. some of them don't want to do the long distance ones. Right. They want a day they, route. They want yeah. a day route. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So because with COVID, people staying at home, you have more choices now, mm -hmm. and you can say, "Nah, I'm gonna go to factory." Or, well, nah, look at all these office buildings that are up for lease now, because yeah. nobody's going back to it. They realize, hey, we can, you know, these seven people need to be together, but the rest of you forty folks can do your work from home. Go ahead. What's interesting about that, though, like with the Google and uh, not Apple, Google, mm -hmm. right? So that's what they were doing, but now they're forcing employees back, right. even though they could save tons of money on the overhead of the buildings, the electricity. Because they own the buildings, right. they got to fill it. Mm -hmm. It's like a prison system, you know. You you got a hundred percent head count. Gotcha. You got to have a well. The IBW here in the state of Indiana, I've talked to a couple guys out of Indianapolis, and they were saying that with this infrastructure package that came down, they need apprentices yesterday. Yeah. And they put out, you know, their normal class of 40 or 50 or something like that. They're doubling it. They're saying 100. We need 100 apprentices. Let's go. And they, they're not getting them. They're not coming. So they're going into the high schools at the 9th, 10th, and 11th grade and start talking to them and making sure that the guidance counselors know what's available. Let's get them on track. Let's get them to be a sheet metal worker. Let's get them to be pipe fitters, you know, carpenters. Those jobs are available. We need these people. And really, you if you weigh out college for dollar and cent wise, you do that apprenticeship, you're done, you're a journey person, you don't have a bunch of fees you gotta pay back. You're going to get classes, you're going to get the education, you're gonna be buying material, you know, tools you're gonna use, that's your only real investment in it. It's a great gig. Yeah, oh yeah. It's growing though. I mean, people are realizing it's growing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's growing now. Now it's not just oh, you got to go to college. Like I made my my kids go to college. Right. So because did that's I. the way I was raised. But they you know? right. It's, that's all I was ever told. But yeah, now to look exactly. at it, but neither of them wanted. My kids didn't want to do a trade thing, mm -hmm. and they're both in a good situation. That they keep making it better. So good for them. They're yeah, smart they're kids. Good. So mm -hmm. thanks for their mother being around. They're smart kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Was there anything else you guys wanted to cover over those first two topics before we move into the constitutional convention? I think that's it. Okay. I think that's it. All right. All right. So now uh, we're going to get to the Constitutional Convention. We have that coming up. Uh, it takes place from July 25th through July 29th. Um, if you're interested in running and you want to be a delegate. When does it close? So Tuesday, April 19th through Friday, April 22nd is your nomination and acceptance. So April of 2022, Tuesday the 19th through Friday the 22nd. 
So you can file. Now, every member is automatically nominated. So this is just a procedural thing if you want to say, and we're only going to pick six delegates and two alternates. So everybody that comes to vote gets to vote for that whole boat. You can pick the... It's the, the highest vote getters. Highest vote getters are the okay. first six highest vote getters are the delegates, and the next two are the alternates. So it's a matter of, you know, name recognition. It was back in its infancy when we first started having constitutional conventions, they would move them around, and it was a big thing to get your bid. Your city would bid to get the Constitutional Convention in New Jersey, in Atlantic City, in Chicago, in Detroit. So you always had that bidding war going on. Of course, you were dealing with a million members, and then each plant would send their delegates, and that stuff's all been pretty much done through history. It's to control... Once you get to that meeting and you're there when the convention's gaveled in and they run it and you see what goes on, I understand why the administrative caucus put it together to have some controls over it because there's always been the dissidents, no matter how long it's been around, people who are long since dead and gone were dissidents to how the system was run and didn't care for it. They wanted one member, one vote. That's not a new thing. Really came to fruition in the 70s and early 80s for a number of reasons, but they now here we are today these guys, the UAWD, which is United Workers for Democracy, for Democracy, those folks are saying, and this is New Direction folks, call them whatever you will from days gone by, they've always advocated for one member, one vote. That's been their stand. Now, inside of that, they want more militancy. They want pensions back. They don't want tears. So if you start looking at what they're saying and what their platform is, heck, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people are saying, yeah, hell yeah to that. I support that. Where the, you lose control is now you've got these names and you don't even know who they are. They weren't formerly a regional director. Yes. They weren't formerly a staff person or anything like that. They don't have a background in all of it. You're just going to take a guy off the floor of a plant in Chicago and then bring him to Detroit to have him run everything. I understand why there was the administrative caucus doing what they were doing, but you can't lose sight of the fact that, that also that person in Chicago that's coming there to do that job they might bring some things that you never saw or never thought to do. So, so I think it's a great it, thing. But it's I an injection, but it could be. It's also scaring the crap out of scaring a lot of people. Oh yeah. You talk about inflation scaring people. Yeah. That's scaring some people, I mean, too. I, I'm all for one member one vote. But then, I'm, then again, I'm like, you know, we need it's, – it's a balance, too. Right. Because it's not like every member was crooked. Mm -hmm. There's – there's some no, great people. There were some great people absolutely. behind. Absolutely, there still are. And yeah, yeah, and there still but, are. And the thing is, is now they have a, a chance to shine. Right. And do instead of being held back. Absolutely. And the thing is, some of the people that wanted the one member one vote and have those things they want to do, like pensions and everything, they had to. When they get into the national say they do get elected, they're going to be confronted with reality. Mm -hmm. Right. Where you and might not be able to get what you're saying, and, or right. they might go too far, and it's going to be like that's when the scary part comes in. Right. What are we doing? Well, look at how you are. You're, you're in a local. Your local's 1,000, 1,500, 4,000 members. Now you're at 400,000. There's educators out in University of California who want to know what you're doing for them at their local, at the same guy that's building an engine over here for Ford. Someone's building axles over there. You've got all this diverse group. You've got to be ready for that. I mean, we have to go back to we found out the problems that we were having from our own secretary treasurer who came into power Gary Castile, who's now since retired, he was the one that first said, yo, sorry, I know I'm supposed to be part of the team, but we got some issues here. And when he brought it to them, they blew him off, poo-pooed it, nah, it's, it's just, everything's fine. And he made sure that the paperwork didn't lie. It, the numbers don't lie. And so, you know, he retires, it gets out of the way because 
what systematically has always happened, your secretary of treasurer turns into your VP or a president yeah. in some way. Yeah. He just took himself out of the game, said, look, I, all it would be with sour grapes that I got this guy in trouble or these people in trouble and so I'll just move away. And I get why he did that, but he also stayed true to what was correct. What's correct? Character. The core values. Yeah, the core values. values. These are the things we've always stood for. And for you to say, ah, let's look the other way. We're going to rent this room for the next month and play golf out here and smoke cigars. And do you need a new wedge? I'll get you one. We're going to pay for that. Come on. And and it's, you know, we've been involved for quite a bit, quite a long time. I've been involved since after the first year I was hired. And we've seen a lot of amazing people. Oh, yeah. I've been, right. And then we've seen a lot of amazing people fall. Yeah. Like Jeff Paycheck. And this man, he had so much power. He controlled that floor. When management would see him, they would fear him. Right. You know, he saved jobs. He saved lives. He kept people, help people employed. It's hard he, to watch where he ends up. International, mm-hmm. and what do they do? You know, because the power thing. It changes I mean, your perspective. Sometimes you see these great people just fall because of right. power and greed. Well, they get there because you know Mike Grimes, same situation. He was a very powerful chairman, did some great things for mm-hmm. his local. And don't think they didn't, you know, Patwizak, which is paycheck, but he just mm-hmm. went by paycheck because yeah. nobody can say Patwizak. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the point is, is those guys did some great things in their history. It just when it got late in their history, they got sloppy and. And accepted things that you knew were wrong, but you did them anyway. And that's what hurts many of our members and hurts the whole perspective because who doesn't want to talk about that on Fox and Friends and whatever else about how dirty these unions yeah. are? Because I mean, Patrick, he taught me every, a, lot of, a lot of stuff I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he taught me a lot. Even right. through our arguing, we always had a sense of respect for each other. Sure. And, and I learned so, so much right. from him. I mean, when, when he passed away, when he, we got indicted, then he ended up asking, people were asking me, hey, now, ain't you happy this? No, I'm not. No. Why would I be? Yeah. He was I a mean, legend in many respects. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, like I said, the, the man saved lives. Mm-hmm. Saved know, jobs. Saved jobs. And gave people and, an opportunity. You right. Because I want to see change, but I want to see it done right. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be perfect. No. I don't expect it to be perfect. Well, I always said it, we but got warts. We have warts. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a system. It's the democracy of it. So our democracy as a country is jacked up, or our counties jacked up. Yes. Well, so is our local too. You know, the individual unions and locals within the major unions. So those are issues we all have to face. But we have to bring that and talk about it. And, you know, put it on the table. Let's figure out how we get around it. Well, I'm glad you're running, and we're going to be asking you questions eventually on uh, what do you, what your intentions are, what you plan on doing, uh, what are your ambitions, and stuff like that. And hopefully, we'll have candidates on here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and we'll yeah. Once you candidates. once you get that slate of who the twenty two oh nine candidates are too, let's bring that whole team in and let's start having a discussion yeah. about it. Because each one of the folks that get picked for that, I'm probably going to guess are pretty articulate, and I want to talk to people about what their thinking is when they go there. By the end of June, um, we have the Department of Justice and the UW, U.S. Attorney's Office in southeastern Michigan. Um, put together a guy who's uh, Neil Barofsky is his name, and he's the guy who's working with the UAW to put together an election system for this convention. So the end of June of this year, they will have that. So then you're going to have 30 days, and you're going to turn around and use that system. So the UAW is working with Neil Barofsky, and they went through and found a vendor to do all the votes that we sent in, that we sent back in, but only 140,000 members voted. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so a lot of stuff just went to the trash. You got that letter, and it was a big letter with the numbers and letters and everything all over it. You knew what it was when you saw it, or you opened it up and looked at it, it was like, i got to fill something out, screw this, and threw it away. <laughs> Quite a few retirees voted, though. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have some retirees now, voting. Now, they voted, they voted for the old system. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, we, we're going to have to try to bring up some retirees on and see what their opinions were right. why they voted that way, why they felt the older right. system would. Right. To maintain what we have. Yeah, right, I, want, right. I kind of want to know what they're It comes is. down to that actual week. So 25 through 29 of July, they set up five days, and I've seen them finish a convention in four days, mm -hmm. and it's over with. They just kept it, had five days on the schedule. I guarantee that thing's going to be five days and some change oh, yeah. at the rate things are going to go because you've got a one-member, one vote, and then you've got a lot of dissidents in the plants are going to get picked up and sent there, and it's going to get real interesting. So the dissident group you might have had is going to multiply, and that's going to create some other issues. So it's going to get very interesting. It's going to be something else. Yeah. It's your future. A, it's your well, future, he gave Mike. me a, a good pointer. He's like, take a Wednesday off, come down and sit in the gallery. Yeah. I, I yeah. might just do that. Because, you know, vacations, you can't, on a, in July, you're going to get a Friday or a Monday off? Get out of town. <laughs> you know? No, but I like, told him, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, just drive to Detroit, come hang out in the gallery, and just watch the proceedings and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying is, back in the day, everybody had a suit and tie on because they left their factory job, and that was the time, if you were a delegate, you got dressed up. You went and bought a suit like your daughter's wedding. You're going to get dressed up for that that was a big thing and so if I'm a delegate I looked at from that same perspective is that's what our history is about that's what we've done in the past it's not about my wearing my new you know shoes or whatever I got to get there I'm going to dress and play the part and be that person but I'm also the difference for me is I'm going to have I have a website I also have a podcast and I'll be carrying around my microphone and my recorder and I'll be talking to folks throughout the way too because there's going to be some folks that are going to be hot and bothered about a whole bunch of stuff hear from their perspective, understand some of the folks that I know that are still there that have been around for 30 and 40 years who are the ones who are wanting the administrative caucus to get back to what they were supposed to do, which is taking care of the membership. There's a good mix. We just got to hear what those voices are. That's what yeah, I'm going to go for. To clarify, with the membership now, with one member, one vote, the membership now gets to vote for who? Uh, executive board members. So your IEB is made up of regional directors and your trustees and then your vice presidents for the actual Chrysler, Stellantis in this case, Ford, GM, and then agricultural implement. So those, what is it, like 16 or 18 people total is what you're going to end up voting for. And then your president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, trustees, and then your regional directors. And then those regional directors are the ones that pick their staff people for their region. Same with your GM or your Ford group picks their administrative assistants for that. So the folks that are the nervous ones right now are the ones that are seeing Cindy Estrada say, hey, I'm not going to run. And Terry Dittis going, hey, I'm going to retire. So as they move out, new people come in. So your staff people, nothing's guaranteed. Nothing you still have rights back to your plant. And don't think they won't exercise that opportunity to put you back there if it comes out that way. So there's some trepidation of many of those reps right now to kind of see how this whole thing plays out for them too. Feeding frenzy, like, feeding you know, frenzy, yeah. stand there with a coffee cup. I hope that desk is available for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody just thinks, you know, you know, as, as a chair, chair of the education committee and doing these classes, we always, I really harp on core values. And I just hope that everybody, when they go there, period, adhere to their core values. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, it's not about you. It's right. about us. Right. What are it's you bringing back to your members? You, you are it's representing your entire membership. Yeah. You have to bring either bring information back or bring a way that somebody's going to be able to get something. Yeah, I want to send all these people there. But there's also part of it is the special bargaining convention, which happens a year later, which really isn't a bargaining thing. You're not bargaining anything. You're just going through and saying, here's what our values are. This is what we want to take to the table. This is our overall. And they're all umbrella issues that cover making sure that it, we talk about the environment, we talk about the climate, we talk about 
important stuff like at the same time we're building trucks so you know what's so it's the, structure, the structure is going to be in place then so you're seeing that facilitator that guy from uh, the government he's good the structure in the, UA, the UAW and him is going to have a structure. They're currently working, yeah. So, yeah, they're saying, how does this vote happen? Because you can't show up on Monday of the week of the convention and go, hey, uh, to get to one member, one vote, we got to do this. You need to have that structure in place. So the UAWD folks, who are the adamant ones that are outgoing, are trying to get, they've had a platform they put together. And if you look them up, it's uawd.org on the Internet if you want to take a look at them. Look at what they were setting up, and they are setting up to make sure, hey, if you're a delegate and you want to be a UAWD delegate, here's our core values. We'll train you how to do this and how to run for office and things. They're doing what they want to do because they're finally getting some respect that they haven't ever gotten over the 40 or 50 years they've been really So they have a seat at the table to help the They have a seat at the table, yeah. So they're not helping the structure because it's the UAW and Neil Borofsky, who's the court-appointed guy. Yeah, so those two are the ones that are getting the structure together. But then once that's established in late June and they put it out and say it's going to happen, happen like this, then we'll better understand in the next 30 days as to how that one member, one vote comes down. You're still going to get a sheet at your local that says, hey, you get to vote for these people. Well, how in the heck is that going to happen? It's going to have to happen in the future down the road. I think at this convention, you're going to rely on the delegates you send are the ones who are going to make those votes happen. You still don't have that one member, one voice vote, I don't think. But I'm putting the cart before the horse because I don't know what the details are of yeah, how that vote yeah. whole thing's going to happen. Yeah, so no we've got to wait and see yeah, exactly. what the end of June brings us. And they've got a date in June of 2022 that they're going to put it out there and say it's going to vote and go down this way. And bottom line, bottom line, like I tell everybody, ask, talk to your candidates, mm-hmm. ask some questions. Yeah. You vote. Right. You know, or, right. You know, we can't afford to sit down anymore and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got vote. plenty of that going on. Oh, my God. Too yeah. much. Yeah. You know, and there's a change coming. Be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to pass you right by. It's easy because we're so reactionary to so many other things that we just kind of get in this lull and we don't think that we can control anything. So we just like, whatever. So I'm just going to get paid and I'm going to go back yeah. to work and work four over and four under or whatever. Yeah. All right, everyone. We just want to thank you for listening. We want to thank uh, Mark a lot for being here. He brought a ton of information with you as always. Or, yeah, that was great. That was yeah. great. Too much. Nelson hired me. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we look forward to having you back again sometime soon. We'll talk again. There's always some great stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely.